Do we know what we're talking about? <laughs> Season three. Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. This and this <laughs> is Pod Have Mercy. And your gut, where do you like? What do you think? So you're supposed to start by asking me how I'm doing. <laughs> oh, so no, I didn't know we were recording. John Stevens. <laughs> no, there's a reason why. I want you to ask me why I'm doing. John, how are you doing? I'm not doing well right now. What's going on? Because I just got off this call with Mark Boom. This <gasps> depressing. Really? It is. De- I mean, I was hoping there'd be some good news. Like. What happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened? What happened? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so we, we just got off a call. Um, there was a group. I, I put together a call with Mark, and it was a group of us. And so I, I recorded some of it, and I wanted uh, to share it on the podcast today and then and talk about some of the stuff as well. So we're going to watch the um, sort of the first part of the call yeah. where Mark just gives us a, a – it's it's – Gosh, how long was it? Maybe 13 minute. So update of kind of where we are, what's going on, mm-hmm. trends and all that stuff for Houston. That's okay. the thing. People listen in different places. This is a Texas Medical Center data and Houston Methodist okay. data points. Um, but I will add uh, that something that you won't hear in his particular video that we did have a conversation after this back and forth mm-hmm. that he's hopeful that we are that Houston is kind of on the front end of what we're going to see nationally what that means is there's a lot of models out there this thing could could keep going up here okay um but he thinks in the rest of the country you're going to see them follow kind of the trends we're seeing and he's hopeful that we're going to see the, the apex the and, and go the on the, and so whenever when everyone else is dealing with it in really difficult ways hopefully we'll be on the other side of it now it's just Guess, yeah, yeah, guess yeah. at this point. Is some of the alarm is that there's been such a, an uptick quickly of cases, or what's what's the cause for alarm? Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at when you look at these graphs that he'll put up here, I mean, the the rate of ascent mm-hmm. for hospital admissions is 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 much steeper than we saw in the winter. It's oh, like wow. last June when this thing was just like going straight up. Okay, and. You know, he's got models. He's got several different models. One model, like, puts us at, like, where we were in the summer. And he's got one model that's, like, almost double that, which is really scary. And he, he's very careful to say, look, these are just models. I don't know. But it's just, I don't know, man. This is concerning. So we'll listen to him first. Right? Great. And then... We'll get back and we'll, we'll and have then, a really great and then, discussion and then about... We'll, we'll come back and lament. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wish things were better. Um, so if, if it's okay, I'll show you a little couple data points because sometimes a picture's worth a thousand words. So give me a second. Um, you should now hopefully see my screen. And yes. this is the Methodist website uh, data that we put up there. This is a day in arrears. It'll get updated in probably the next 10 minutes or so, usually around 11. So that number on the right, which is the blue line, which is total number of patients in house is 479 as of last night. Uh, this morning it was in the 490s. Uh, yesterday during the day it was around 500. So it's it's um, it tends to be a little higher during the day and we discharge. But bottom line is, I mean, it's it's pretty striking what's happened here. Um, unfortunately, in the course of really three weeks, we have exploded in the community. And so up until really, uh, you know, right at the turn of the month and even a week or so into the month of July, 
we were doing okay. And what's really striking is how steep this curve is. It looks just like last summer. It doesn't even look like what we saw in the earlier days of this uh, the winter surge. It has been just straight, straight up, um, as you see. Uh, more inpatient, you know, regular beds than ICU, which is good. Um, so it's not totally taxing ICU, but we're seeing a rate of increase that's, that's pretty dramatic. And I'll scroll down to the testing data. Pay attention to the blue lines for a second, not the orange, and I'll come back. You know, we have seen a, a rapid increase in, in testing numbers. I mean, 200 a day, basically, which we haven't seen since mid-January. Um, basically. So everything's kind of rolled back and, you know, is a four, five, six, seven X over where we were in mid-June. The orange line is positivity percentage. I wouldn't pay that too, too much attention. It, I mean, it clearly has spiked, but what we, what we had happen was in the community, a lot less kind of regular testing was happening because things were so good. We, we and all the other health systems stopped testing vaccinated patients um, on admissions. So that whole group of people weren't being tested. And then this hit, and it was all these sick people, it shot up the percentage rate. Now we've turned back on testing everybody again. So I'm not 100% sure if that's a true bend, which I would love it to be, um, or if that's just you know an artifact of data now that we're starting to test everybody again. I, I think it's unfortunately a little bit more the latter still. Um, on our own internal data side though, I mean, the one kind of piece of hope I have um, is, uh, and it's a very, very early indication. Give me a second. I'm just trying to find it here for y'all. Um, it's in a different program. Um, and that's just, if I look at the seven day, oops, that's the wrong one. Hold on. So that's just data uh, that was supporting it. Hold on. Um, if I look at the seven day average, there you go. Do you see now a line graph? Yeah. Yes. So if I look at the seven-day average number of admissions we've done, you know, this is what leads to the aggregating census because people stay six or seven days on average. But you can see it just started shooting up straight line on a set. And again, this is a rolling seven-day average. So it'll smooth out some of the bumps. Last three, four days, it flattened a hair. Now we had one really, really high day pulling up. And so I'm not 100% sure, but maybe, maybe, maybe we're seeing a little mitigation there. Uh, and then the final thing I'll share going back to the, back to the internet uh, is, uh, so if I go to the Texas Medical Center numbers, here you'll see aggregate data across the TMC. Um, this is weekly, so this is community positives that now are, you know, well over 2,300, kind of what we hadn't seen since, you know, on the way down, kind of uh, first week in February on the way up, it was uh, kind of Thanksgiving time and as high as what we saw last summer, obviously with the, you know, proviso that last summer, I think, you know, testing wasn't being done as, as effectively. Um, same thing in the hospitals, so 246 admissions per day average across the TMC, and it'll go up this week for sure from what I'm seeing. And if you look at the census in the TMC as well, you can see that at the bottom, especially the most of the, actually the entire pandemic, each kind of color section is a different month, and you can see how it's accelerating. It's not, nowhere near the summer peak yet, but we're all about two-thirds of the way there. So it has moved on us very, very rapidly. So that's that's the setting we're in. So why is this happening? You know, first and foremost, the Delta variant, um, and happy to talk at length about questions you might have about the Delta variant. But, you know, the bottom line is this thing has a spread factor, the R that everybody hears about of six, six to seven, most likely. Not quite 
you know, the chicken pox that the CDC was staying, which is probably eight, nine, 10, but getting up there um, in terms of uh, pretty infectiousness and, you know, the regular flu is 1.3. So this is dramatically more spreadable than the regular flu. And it's at least twice as spreadable as the last variant we were dealing with. Um, so that's why you're seeing it spread so quickly within the unvaccinated population um, in particular. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, I already alluded to, is we have a lousy uptake of vaccines. Um, and, you know, the there's no question you're seeing the surges happen in the states um, that have lower vaccine rates right now. It just is. Um, and so there's more susceptible people. It doesn't mean the other places aren't going to follow. I actually think they are because they still have plenty of unvaccinated, but they just we just have a lead on them. And then the third reason is that, you know, if you look around the community, we're not doing anything to mitigate virus right now, right? Compared to behaviors that were in present and things that were present in the winter, almost none of that's there. I've, I've seen some change in the last week as people are waking up and saying, oh, crud, this is here again, but hardly the kinds of protections we had in place previously. We've also seen a small uptick in vaccinations, which is good, but you know, growth off of a very, very low level. And so most of the unvaccinated are not exactly rushing back to the vaccines right now. So those three things together are, are causing uh, you know, a great deal of difficulty. Um, I, I will say I am hearing levels of, I don't wanna say panic, just levels of concern among other health professionals, you know, particularly the, the more vulnerable. I mean, not to pick on them at all, um, but, you know, Harris Health is very under-resourced. They're small. They, um, you know, oftentimes are sort of the canary in the coal mine. They're really struggling right now. I haven't seen them struggle like this since last summer. Um, and in part because all of the hospital systems don't have the staffing that they had a year ago, um, whether that's regular staffing just because of attrition and people leaving and people retiring and all the difficulties of this pandemic, whether it's people who don't want to take extra shifts because they're exhausted after 18 months of this, uh, or whether that's now, um, you know, the governor, the governor and dishes basically said, hey, you're on your own. We're not getting you uh, supplemental staff this time, even though uh, they did this Thursday, Friday, even though previous uh, two surges, there was a lot of state provided supplemental staff. So some of the less resource or more vulnerable hospital systems really start to feel it. And so you're going to see that that be a storyline here, I think, pretty soon as well. So then the other big question I know, and then we'll get to your Q&A, um, you know, you're going to ask is, well, what about breakthrough infections, right? That's all the, all the discussion right now. You know, first, I would caution everybody to remember that the story about the breakthrough rock star or the breakthrough politician is a very sexy story and the press can't help themselves and they will write those stories every time, right? So mentally, all of us kind of hear breakthrough, 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 when the reality is it's not as bad as it would seem from that. That being said, it's worse than I would have liked it to be. So to be, to be completely transparent. In other words, we're pretty sure nobody has perfect data, but we're pretty sure we're seeing significantly more breakthrough with Delta than we did with the previous ones. Now let's let's clarify that, right? The previous, the original vaccine studies against, you know, prior to even the alpha variant showed 95% efficacy at, pre at preventing infections, symptomatic infections, uh, 99 plus in terms of preventing hospitalizations. Um, I don't think we have a vaccine that's working quite that well now, that, but probably it's working in the, in the 80s, um, maybe high 80s. So, you know, by, by nature of that, you're going to see more breakthrough infections than, than we had to begin with. The second thing, keep in mind that even in Houston, 
more adults than not have been vaccinated. So you have a bigger denominator of vaccinated people than unvaccinated. So you'll, you'll have, even if you had way lower rates of, of breakthrough, you'll sort of see more, sometimes a higher number because there's more people in the denominator. So for example, if you're looking at an 80 year old and four out of five of them are vaccinated, well, guess what? There's four times as many who could get a breakthrough infection as who can get a unvaccinated infection. So you have to keep that in mind when you hear the data. So I can tell you, we've been looking at this really carefully. Um, and I, I feel right now, at least in Houston, uh, I haven't seen others data, but I think this is the strongest state out there. So about a thousand patients now hospitalized um, that we've analyzed, um, kind of other than the last day or two, um, there's about a two day lag, um, about the last thousand people have come in. So essentially all Delta variant patients, all of whom really coming in in July, 82.5% are unvaccinated. So the vast majority of people getting admitted to the hospital have not gotten vaccinated. And, and we define that as fully vaccinated. I would have liked that number to be 95 or 98%, right? Not 82.5%, but it's still 82.5%. So the challenge we have is that the people who want to say, hey, vaccines don't work, like to glom onto a number like that and say, see, it wasn't worth it. And you know, we're looking at that saying that's not perfect, but it's one heck of a lot better than the alternative. In fact, that still ranks very highly in kind of the quality of vaccines, much better than a flu shot, for example. Um, so when we parse inside those data, then, you, then really the question is, what do the 17.5% look like? Many of those people have transplant, cancer, the kinds of things that impair their immune system. And so the very people we need to protect on average, they are much older. So the vaccinated population getting admitted is 69 on average. The unvaccinated population getting admitted is 51. I mean, so we're talking a dramatic difference. Now, there's kind of three reasons that could happen. One of which is, you know, kind of what I was saying, which is we know older people have gotten vaccinated at a much higher rate than younger people, right? So by definition, the, the vaccinated population probably skews older. So there may be a factor of that, but that's not gonna explain that big a delta. Um, so really then you get into, um, you know, did older people not get as well covered? Well, we know for a fact, no vaccine, including these, uh, you know, has quite as robust a response in an 85 year old as it does in a 35 year old. So that may be a factor. And then the other question is whether we may be starting to see some evidence of waning immunity Remember, we vaccinated the old people on average before the young people. And so most of these people probably had their vaccine a solid six, seven months ago. And so all of those are questions that are, we're trying to answer, we collectively, but we, we individually as well. Um, we saw Israel last week decide to give boosters to 60 and up if they've been five months out. Um, so that's, that was the largest country until last night or so, or, or earlier today, I'm not sure which. Germany announced that starting in September, they're going to give booster shots. Um, and I don't know all the details yet of how they're doing that, but it's going to be pretty wide open from what I understand. And I think Hungary, like a you know, small country has done that and uh, there'll be others. Um, and so we'll see where the rest of those go. The US has not moved in that direction yet, but I will expect we're going to see boosters quicker than honestly all of us were predicting 60 days ago when things were really good and we didn't have a Delta variant that was kind of dominating the landscape. So, so that's kind of the lay of the land. So the, the one last thing to comment on, and this is still very uncertain, but you know, the CDC has been talking about masks again for everybody um, unequivocally. And remember, never did, was there advice that the unvaccinated go unmasked in congregate settings of any sort. They all did, 
because those were many times the people who least wanted to wear a mask in the first place, but never was that the advice. The advice was it was safe for vaccinated people to go unmasked. Well, now they've said everybody in these mixed settings, group settings should be masked again. The reason is a couple fold. Um, one is there's a couple observational studies they've done where they're seeing big outbreaks, including some vaccinated people, even if it's mild disease, they're getting sick and they're seeing high, high, essentially high amounts of virus in those people, leading them to worry that those people could infect others. They don't know that as a fact, but they worry about that. So in other words, they're worried that a vaccinated person could infect somebody else. Um, and so out of caution, which is I think appropriate, they're saying, let's just go back to masks. We know they work. And right now we're in the midst of a surge and let's get things back in control, but it's still based on incomplete information uh, at the present time. But again, very importantly, never did they say the unvaccinated should go unmasked. And so what I'm telling people is, look, in a low prevalence setting where you know you, you're with a bunch of careful people, it's a low, it's a small number of people. You're all vaccinated. I don't know that you need to go get, you know, need to be wearing masks in all of those settings. But in large group settings, particularly large group settings where you don't know the status of everyone around you, I think everybody at this point should be putting back on the play, you know, the masks and the playbook of the of the past. Obviously, um, you know, the governor has put some um, restrictions on all of that now that we didn't have before. In fact, we had a mask mandate before the last time we were going through a surge. So, um, you know, we're, how that uptakes in the communities, you know, yet to be seen and going to be problematic. So, so that's kind of the lay of the land um, right now. Um, you know, if I'm being candid, uh, you're not hearing a rosy, sunny picture from me and my colleagues right now. I mean, everybody's a little scared of what we're seeing. It's it's gone up so quickly, so fast. I have a couple, like I said, tiny glimmers that maybe maybe we won't see it go up quite as fast. But you know, sometimes that's just a couple day pause. I'm not ready to at all. Uh, uh, you know, declare that. I sure hope in a week I'm sitting there saying, yeah, that was the early signal, but, uh, but we're, we're nowhere near that yet. Um, and it has been uh, honestly a very eye-opening, uh, you know, rate of increase that we have seen here. All right. So you, you got to at least hear and see some of these trends. Well, I mean, the, the thing that, that's interesting to me is that at Methodist Hospital, the <coughs> Texas Medical Center, which is one of the largest, is the largest medical center in the world, Made up at MD Anderson, Houston Methodist, Memorial Hermann, mm -hmm. St. Luke's. I mean, um, Houston Health, UT Medicine, Baylor Medicine. Well, what they're seeing is like yesterday on Monday. Yeah. They had 269 admissions to the hospital, people with COVID okay. one day. And that's been the trend for the last like week or two weeks as it comes up. I mean, so... Sunday, it was 260 people admitted. The day before that, it was 260 people admitted. Wow. And on average, if you get admitted to the hospital with COVID, to the, admitted to the hospital, on average, you're there from like six to eight days. Dear Lord. Wow. Is, was sort of the average. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, you know, he said, um, he said in the numbers, don't you heard, 82% of the people that, have been admitted or unvaccinated. Right. And the average age is 51 years old. That's I, That sits right in our sweet spot there, John, doesn't it? Well, you're a lot older than, <laughs> I, I, than that me. That means maybe <laughs> the percentage is coming down no, for no. me, right? But then 17%, wow. as he said, are mm. average age, uh, that have been vaccinated, average age 69. That's a huge delta. Yes. A, a difference. Yeah. 
and he explains some different, you know, what those people sort of categories and all that. Um, so it's just fascinating to me that <clears throat> I love this whole thing that in our culture we get there's so much arguing over masks and vaccines and it's just yeah. it's become so politicized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Which I I have a hard time understanding. Yeah. Like how it is right. that people get so angry mm-hmm. over you know being asked to wear a mask over data and science and public health it, and, it goes oh, back to the saying it's like you are entitled to your own opinions but you're not entitled to your own facts. facts yeah and we just what's hospital admissions yeah they're going up drastically yeah and mark said later in the call one of the things i thought was fascinating and it really touched me is he said if y'all get the word out let people know our medical staff our hospital staff really, really in a dark place, discouraged, mm. despairing. They're not staffed at the levels they were last year, right. getting a lot of state and federal funding and extra staff. So the, so they're having to work harder. And he's just, you know, like like me and you, we thought we were kind of coming Through out of it. this. Yeah. yeah, we're starting to take the victory lap a little, right? Well, yeah, we were thinking about, hey, yeah, fall, kick off, come on. this kind of stuff, yeah. and kids are going back to school, and the masks, and... yeah. And it's just, man, the, the hospital, I mean, our, our phase one ICU, so basically all the ICU in Texas Medical Center is 100% full. Oh. And so then they create what's called a phase two, which is, uh, they, they don't typically use, but they have it capacity. That's, so that's 81% full. Phase two is 81% phase full two. right now. So we're back at these numbers where we were last year when we were all like, talking about how crazy horrible it was and this you know now we're in this situation but man it's almost like everybody's done with it we'll just let people die off like and so in our state you know you're not even allowed if you if if you uh if if a city wanted to do a mask mandate in houston they can't they're not allowed to anymore last year they we had mask mandates in place right Uh, governor had mask mandates in place and now we're like getting to a place where we're close to where we were then wow just from the data now this is not like it just feels bad because <laughs> it doesn't feel bad right I'm <laughs> it actually does not feel bad it doesn't feel bad. it feels like gosh we're out on those and then you start looking at the actual facts and the data and it's different <clears throat> we talked about a couple of other things that i think are interesting one we talked about you know, well, well, what do we do in churches? Um, you know, we just have to continue to really ask people, check their symptoms. If you've got any symptoms, even if you think it's allergies or something, you probably best to stay home, watch online. Right. Um, so your hand sanitation, you know, doing all of that. Um, and just go really strongly encouraging everyone to mask when they're in groups of people where they don't know the vaccine status of right. everybody. And it's really hard um, because just the way the nature of the world, you you know, to go back to say we required masks early on, but we haven't done that in quite a while. So now it just gets to be, gosh, I mean, like one pastor was saying that they have one of their services is a mask only service and Hmm. another service is, you know, optional. I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah. I'm still looking for the pastoring in a pandemic book. (laughs) <laughs> well, if anybody's going to write it, it's going to be you. 
I mean, I think that that's that's the. I mean, we have a right now we have kind of our transepts, which um, we ask folks to be distance. And I've seen more masks the last couple of weeks in there. But then if you've been vaccinated and, you know, you can sit kind of feel free to sit kind of in the in the center, you know, I think there's there's some sense of self-policing that happens. So you saw in Mm -hmm. in the spring as the numbers were coming down after the winter surge and everything, even though we were strongly encouraging masking, really kind of telling people you need to wear a mask. People started taking them off, taking them off. And we kind of like, okay, you know, this is good. We're getting there. And we finally got to a place where like, we're just encouraging masking. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm free. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and you're done with it. And then, uh, now you get back to this thing. So to go back to, you know, it's all like, it's like you're taking a step backwards. It's very demoralizing. It is. I think for people to think about doing that. Yeah. The, The other thing that we, we talked about is, you know, what do you do about children? And he pointed us to the American Academy of Pediatrics. He, Mark, Mark says that that's his, um, how did he phrase it? He said, that's who he would really want people to listen to is the American Academy of Pediatrics. When it comes to kids. He said, if you look at their track record, he, he, you know, there's so much political stuff about the CDC. Yeah. Now people just think, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. He's like, they're discovering this in real time. Yes. And so, yeah, you're getting stuff moved. But he said the American Academy of Pediatrics actually last year during the height of the pandemic were telling people kids need to be in school. Kids need to be in school for their health and their right. well-being, their benefit. But you have to follow certain protocols. Yes. They need to be masked. They need to separate their desk, all this kind of stuff. So they were on the front edge of saying kids need to be in-person yes. classroom, right, yes. when a lot of it wasn't happening. And so he said when you look at them now, they're saying children under 12 need to be masked. That's what their recommendation is. And that's just another one of those really difficult things. Again, you know, we're in a... Um, you know, our governor in Texas has basically uh, issued an executive order that schools cannot mandate masking for children. Mm. So even if you wanted to follow the recommendation, a school district would be hard pressed to do it. I think it's going to put, you know, he's concerned that you're going to see outbreaks once school gets started. Now, fortunately, you know, children tend to have milder symptoms but he mentioned uh, uh, there's about eight children at TMC right now in very serious condition with COVID. Mm. Now, that's not a lot. But, man, if it was my kid. That's a lot. It'd be a lot. Yeah. And so we'll, and, and we'll see an uptick of those, I, I would assume, when school comes, you know, just being around each other. And- well, so this is happening now. We're doing vacation Bible school yeah. with hundreds of kids <laughs> running around. And I'm sitting here going, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. we're not doing anything wrong. It's just like, well, I don't know, man. Yeah. What's the answer? Where's the answer? Yeah. Well, one of the things I know. That's that- why I was discouraged when I said today I wasn't yeah. doing well. I'm just kind of like, you know, it's roller coaster. Yeah, I was really feeling like, man, coming into the fall, this is going to be great. And some other things that I thought were interesting in the call is everybody says, well, when will the FDA fully approve the vaccine? He, Mark said he's really disappointed that they hadn't done that already. He thinks there's enough data for them to do it. Um, And what's interesting, I didn't know this, I learned this from the call, is he said that um, because it's not approved yet, that 
their what they call off-label use. I think it's what he called it. Doctors can correct me if I'm wrong. But basically, your doctor, let's say you have a transplant or you have immune system mm-hmm. compromised, and they can measure like your antibody resistant or whatever. Right. And they say, I think you need a boost. I think you need a third booster shot. Well, right now, because it's an emergency use authorization, they can't do that. Oh. They have to only give you the two. two and then you can't get any more. Okay. But if it's FDA approved, then the doctor can say, I think we're going to give you a little booster. They could do that if you, in consultation with you if you sure, wanted to do sure. that, if you were in that situation. And so then we ask, well, what about kids? When will kids be able to um, yeah. be approved to take the vaccine? He was saying that you've heard all this talk about the fall and September. He doesn't think it's going to be at least somewhere between December and February. Wow, of next year. Yeah, so December of this year to February of next year. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, he just said it's going to take under 12 approval is not imminent. It'll mm. be December to, to February, mm. which then again puts, it's going to put these school districts and parents in a difficult situation. So when you're talking about self-policing, the, the thing that I think is really unfortunate is that you have some states or some school districts that now are telling kids you or families, you don't have the option to do online. You have to be in the school. And you can't, you mandate can't wear a mask. a mask. That to me seems a little... That to me Obtuse. seems a little <laughs> out of bounds. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm reading that wrong. But I mean, if you have a child who's got an issue, or maybe you just, you know... He was telling me he has people at the hospital that are emailing him and saying... What do I do? I'm back at work. I got a two-year-old and a five-year-old and a six-year-old, right. and they're going back to school, and they're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? They don't know because they're scared because they're in the hospital on the front lines seeing this stuff, right, the hospital personnel. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, it's going to be interesting. So we're going to, you know, we're going to continue to strongly encourage, strongly, strongly encourage people to be masked up, um, you know, and to just, Pay attention to the data. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is hard data that's yeah. out there right there at the Texas Medical Center that you can go and you can look at these numbers increasing um, dramatically. Dramatically. I, I was interested in that this is it the seven day average, just the, the the marked increase of that, you know, over over the week, just seeing that kind of let left to right and up just moving. And so I some of those some of those data points are like they're stark and scary. You know. Yeah, when you look at hospital admissions, so yesterday it was 260-some-odd. A week ago it was 250. A month ago it was 50. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's a huge difference. Mm. Um, what is so he really suggests Mark really suggests that we that if you're if you're in a, a place that you don't know if everyone's vaccinated that you wear a mask. Yeah. Is that what he said? If you're like walking yeah, into but a store. Even, he, the, he even said if you're, let's say you're in a group um, your Sunday school class or family group or your friend's group okay. and everyone's been vaccinated. He said, you still have to have a conversation because if there's someone in there that say, have cancer treatment okay. or, you know, immunocompromised system, right. you don't just assume you should talk to these people. These are people you supposedly love, have yeah, relationships right. with. Right. So I think it's just, uh, it's putting us in a position in a place where we've never been before mm-hmm. dealing with something like this. Yeah. I mean, so, I just, uh, I wish people would be more understanding of people who, you know, want to make certain decisions. They'll, there'll be a lot of, of, of self-policing. You'll see, 
you'll see a lot more people wearing masks in grocery store. You'll see a lot more people wearing masks in church. You'll see a lot more people taking precautions. And according to this, you should. I mean, I'm not as concerned being my age and relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. when I look at the percentages, I still think as a vaccinated person, yep. man, my that that it's like he talked about, you know, you see these on the news, all these breakthroughs. So it's, whether it's Lindsey Graham or the rock and roll star or whatever, yeah. he goes, but these are these are very small percentage. I think it's like 0.07 percent is what we've seen of of break actual breakthrough infections of folks that have been vaccinated mm-hmm. and it's like 0.004 uh hospitalized and like 0.001 okay. of folks who have died who have been vaccinated yeah. or something like that so basically what that means is vaccine is 99.99999 it's working yeah it's working it's working and that's what I love about like your relationship with Mark Boom is that it feels like we've got somebody that's an adult or who's kind of a, a, a non-anxious fig, you know, presence in the room that's saying, "Here's what I'm seeing, and these are the steps that we can take just to take care of each other and to 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 get out of the woods well." Yeah. So I got to find something to cheer me up today. <laughs> Don't know what it's going to be. You want to go ride go karts? Um, no, you just got back from Disneyland, so that's probably not what you want to be doing. No, I don't want to ride go karts. You're going to ride go karts? No, I'm not going to ride go karts. But I, I'd like Say to. Now, be, I'm thinking about it. That, that'd be fun, though. I mean, something you know, something fast and a little gritty. Yeah, I can just do that in my truck. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't drive in Houston. <laughs> you drive it like a go kart, I mean, don't you? Way man? way more. There's Drive. way more adrenaline rush driving on the highways oh. in Houston than Drive going to like a go kart track. <laughs> I go kart track every time I get on the beltway. Right. Well, know. I got an email from a lady in the church, and she was just saying, "Hey, can you tell people?" You know, she goes, "She's been vaccinated, and she is going to start wearing her mask again." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "But you know, I get these looks from people, or people make remarks, or whatever." And she's like, "Can you just, you know, encourage people to be?" empathetic and loving yeah. and i'm like i've been trying to do that for years <laughs> you have been i mean a- this past year it seems like that's all i'm doing yeah is trying to just think about um i'll tell you the one in thinking about that the this passage of scripture for sunday uh, really stands out to me paul writes in ephesians 4 he says so then putting away any falsehood let us speak the truth to our neighbors for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing rather than let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you are marked with a seal, the day of redemption, put away from you all bitterness, Mm. all wrath, all anger, all wrangling, all slander, Mm. and together with with, with all malice, put it all and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Therefore, we are imitators of God Mm. as beloved children, and we live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering That's and good. sacrifice for God. 
That's good. And I think to myself, as part of what we're going to talk about on Sunday, is that Christianity is not so much a set of beliefs that we hold to or propositions that we adhere to, but it's about the life we live. It's mm-hmm. walking in deep connection with God as revealed in That's Jesus right. Christ. That's right. And so the way you behave, the way you talk to yeah. people, the way you act... Yeah. Is it's a that's verb. your faith? Our faith is a verb. <laughs> yeah, that's your faith. Don't tell me what you stand for and believe in. You yeah. know, show me. Yeah, I love that. Be kind to one another. Mm. Gentle. <laughs> it still yeah. holds up, doesn't it? It does. After two thousand years, we yeah. still need it. We hadn't figured it out. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, anyway. that's right. Well, I'm John Stevens, and I'm Matt Russell, and this is Pod Have Mercy.